Hello, everybody. Welcome to Let's Talk About Sex, y'all. The Hand United podcast where we talk about everything public health. I'm Demetrius. I am the SEBA Operations and Program Manager here at Hand United. Hey, y'all. My name is Kendra. I am one of the um, specialists here, SEBA specialists here with the Hands United team. Hello, everyone. This is Shayla. I'm the manager of monitoring, evaluation, and learning. Hi, everyone. My name is Carla Mena, and I am the director of SEBA Operations. Hi, my name is Karen. I'm also one of the SEBA specialists here at Hands United. Okay, so first off, I want to kick it off by just thanking you guys for being here. So a large amount of what we do, actually the soul of what we do, is capacity building. And for a lot of people who aren't necessarily just in the know of what capacity building is, it's always a question of what is it? So today we kind of want to take the time to digest that a little bit. We're going to talk about our own personal experiences and what that looks like in terms of capacity building versus training versus any other kind of connections that people may have. Um, So I kind of want to pose a question before we start simply with everyone who just talked, um, what is your experience with capacity building? Um, I know for me, before I came to Hands United, and I learned this since I've been at Hands United, I was doing capacity building. I was increasing people's ability to do certain things and increasing their skill sets. I just didn't have a formal name to it. So now that I'm at Hands United and doing the work, I realized that I've been doing capacity building that, by the way, y'all, if we refer to it as SEBA, that stands for a capacity building assistance. Um, that's We're talking about capacity. So those two are interchange- interchangeable. But before I came to Hands United, the type of work that I did and the people that I helped in the way that I helped them was actually capacity building. Um, can you guys talk a little bit more about your experience with capacity building, is, if any? Thanks so much, Demetrius, for giving us uh, um, an insight of what capacity building is. Um, I personally don't have direct experience with capacity building. However, I have done facilitation and implementation of different programs as well as managed several different programs as well. Um, So coming into this role, it is something that I am excited about um, and something that I can offer my expertise on having a background working with adolescent parents to working with um, just child and maternal health altogether. Um, I'm super excited to offer that Um, In my previous experience with uh, capacity building, I actually, well, it wasn't quite capacity building. Um, I used to do technical assistance, which is a little bit different because it is basically um, specific to a job duty. Um, So I did do technical assistance, especially in regards to prep navigation and prep providers. And then when I transitioned into capacity uh, to, to Hands United was when I really came into the capacity building part of it. So I had somewhat of an insight on what it would include, but it was a little bit different in how we approached the process. Thanks, Shayla. So for me, capacity building um, has been a has been in my life and on the receiving end, but also in providing what that looks like. Um, I was part of a um promotoras de salud or community lay uh health workers community health lay you know what i mean um the point is that um we were increasing the capacity of our community uh leaders 
to provide uh, just peer education, but also health education among the Latinx uh, community in North Carolina. So I didn't know that it was a capacity building um, component, but it definitely is. And uh, when it comes to on the receiving end, it's been about uh, making sure that I um, am able to understand what the components of capacity building looks like and how we can continue to assist folks who are on the front lines of um, ending the HIV uh, for our jurisdictions and how we can uh, make our work be uh, something that changes the lives of those who, who are um, also working towards ending the, the HIV epidemic. Thank you, Carla and Demetrius and Shayla for that. As one of the new SEBA specialists, um, I'm new to this role and learning alongside my peers, especially my managers and directors. Um, but I have delivered what's now I've learned technical assistance in the sense that I've shared information with um colleagues and people of other professions and I've also shared new updated guidelines so that we are all on the same page about what's being done currently. Thank you guys so much for sharing that experience um, and I kind of want to ask the people who talked about this a little bit and this is just for clarity for our listeners. Um, I started off by saying capacity building. Some people said technical assistance. Does anyone kind of want to clarify that for us, for people who may be thinking of, okay, so what's the difference? We're already introducing a lot of terms. So Shayla, I think you mentioned technical assistance first. Or Carla, you may have mentioned it too. You guys kind of want to elaborate on what the difference may be? Sure. So technical assistance refers to providing skills development for a specific job duty or a defined problem, while capacity building acknowledges these skills, developments, and needs within a larger cultural, political, organizational, or systematic context. I'm reading that from my from my from my resources that I've gathered. Um <laughs> So there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, it's really not that much of a difference, I don't think. But I do realize that there are certain little nuances there that really make the difference between, you know, what each one represents. And I know we're going to get into the, the definition of capacity building. And I think with that definition, it'll make a little bit more sense what the difference is between capacity building, technical assistance, and training. Yeah, I don't really have much more to add, add to that. Um, Shayla covered it all, so thanks for providing the space to also clarify what those two are because that's very important for the work that we do, right? We're providing uh, capacity building through this podcast, um, and we can provide technical assistance should you need some, shameless plug, uh, but but it's important to make sure that we do clarify what those th those differences are. Absolutely. And I appreciate the both of you for just bringing your experience to the table for us to ultimately discuss today. So I kind of want to lay something on you guys in terms of a definition to kind of get us started in thinking about capacity building specifically. So this comes from the National Council of Nonprofits. And I think they have a very interesting excerpt of what capacity building is. And what they say is capacity building is whatever is needed to bring a nonprofit to the next level of operational, programmatic, financial, or organizational maturity. 
so it may more effectively and efficiently advance its mission into the future. Capacity building is not a one-time effort to improve short-term effectiveness, but a continuous improvement strategy towards the creation of a sustainable and effective organization. I know that's a lot in terms of a definition, but I um, I, I kind of wanted us to talk about this point because when I read it for myself, I think it touches on everything thus far I've experienced when it comes to delivering SEBA. And what I mean by that is uh, it talks about operational, programmatic, financial and organizational maturity. And in, in talking about that with the SEBA that we've delivered thus far, we've done technical assistance or the or the or the delivery of SEBA that focuses on budgeting, that focuses on hiring um, culturally competent staff or teaching staff to um, or increasing their capacity to be more culturally competent. Um, I also think that it talks about structure. It talks about the way in which you operate and how you're able to reach your goals, which is important for any organization, but specifically in the avenues that we work in, specifically among community-based organizations that serve the populations that we really want to help. So I kind of want to get you guys thoughts on that. I know it was a lot. If you need me to reread it or touch on some high points or whatever, we can definitely do that. But I kind of want to get everyone's opinion on what you thought about that definition. Um. That was a hefty definition. Uh, Okay. Okay. Um, So when I think about capacity building, I also think about it on various different levels. So you could think about it on the individual level. You could think about it on the institutional level. And you could also think about it at a more micro macro view um, at the systemic level. So when you think about individual level, it's the, I think of capacity building as the process of changing attitudes and behaviors by imparting knowledge. So that feeds into what we do because as capacity building specialists, capacity building organization, we we really take a lot of pride in customizing our services. So I think that makes that differenti- differentiates us from trainers because we actually take a look and we understand where our organizations that are requesting services from us, where they are and where they want to go. And we implement that in the services that we provide. And we really provide a holistic approach to helping them achieve whatever goal they may want to achieve. We really, you know, take that, take a look at the entire uh, situation at hand. And we bring in, as you mentioned, that cultural responsiveness piece, because that's very important, especially if we're talking to organizations that want to improve or want to build their capacity on engaging certain populations. We also have to look at that from a culturally responsive standpoint as well thanks so much Shayla for that insight um and to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying me coming from a um local health department who was in a not so progressive county um I do understand the importance of not necessarily training but just more so of capacity building and how it allows them to serve populations who are intimidated of the health department or who have this stigma about what the health department does and the services that they provide um but just by training your staff to be culturally competent can take your HIV rates from high to low. Um, just simple little things of how you approach someone or how you go out into a community or you even getting out into the community to show them that, hey, we're here for you and not 
just to, you know, give you a pregnancy test or not just to sit here and judge you based on you coming in for STD screening. Um, so I definitely think that that's helpful um, for all staff in, in any realm of work in the public health field. Look at y'all talking about something. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that that was very thorough, and I really appreciate that. So, yeah, um, from that alone, just all of these emerging thoughts about capacity building um, and what it can do. Um, and I kind of want to pose a question now as to why is it important? I know Shayla kind of touched on it a little bit in terms of what it can do for an organization, as well as Kendra um, talked about what it can do in terms of what you ultimately what your ultimate goal is, per se, for your organization. But I really want to go around and just ask everybody again, like, why is it important? Based on your current experience, why is capacity building important? Um, and I can kick it off. Just from what I've gained thus far and being in my current capacity as it relates to capacity building, that the importance of it is to just allow us to mature. If you don't continue to increase your capacity or your ability to perform tasks as an organization or even as an individual, you kind of become stifled. You, you've you mastered what you need to master and you don't recognize or you haven't recognized that. You know what? I probably can do this better if I increase this particular skill set. I can reach a different set of people or the same people more effectively if I increase this skill set. So I think it's important um, in terms of just maturing yourself as an organization and as an individual. Does anybody else have anything else they want to add to that particular idea? I think what's what's important to me about capacity building is we've seen that in some populations HIV rates are going down but in others they are not. So the point of capacity building is to increase the knowledge and the skills and attitudes of organizations to be able to provide better services and to reach certain populations. So by increasing capacity, you're increasing the ability of organization to reach populations that historically have been underserved when it comes to HIV prevention. So those populations are, you know, things that we talk about all the time in public health, black MSM, Latinx MSM, black women, Latinx women, women in general, honestly, the trans community, um, there are so many disparities. Uh, trans men are not talked about very often when we're talking about HIV prevention work, and that's a major group of people that is being missed. Um, and I think capacity building is important in that regard because it helps these organizations further engage those communities in prevention. I would just say that, um, as Demetrius mentioned earlier, thinking about our end desired state, as in, you know, where are we trying to go? And and that can change depending on the um, program, depending on the funding, depending on the funding cycle, on the available or not available funding. Um, but, but really that SIBO or capacity building assistance is important in thinking about where we can go next, in thinking about how do we professionally grow and expand our our growth for not just the organization, but also for um, our people and our teams and our communities uh, and making sure that we recognize as well that when folks do identify that they have uh, SIBA needs, 
that that means that not only do they want to have the capacity, but they also want to increase their capabilities and they have the desire to do better. So, you know, thinking about capacity, capability and desire is always going to be important when thinking about where do we go next? How do we grow? What what do we want um, our work to look like, our community to look like? That was really nice. Um, sounds like we really want to help people, which is good. <laughs> we we love to see it. Um, so the next thought that kind of comes to mind based on what everyone says, um, we all have some type of experience with capacity building that, that we bring to the table, whether it's from a health department, whether we're kind of new to the field and we realize that we were given technical assistance, whether it's in our current roles being at Hands United and where we've delivered it over a course of time and we've grown very... Um, Adept? Is that the word? A-D-E-P-T? Adept. At doing so. Um, so I, and I kind of want to ask, the, you know, the management that's, that's on the podcast, how does Hands United deliver SEBA? Um, and in their delivery of SEBA, what makes Hands United so different? If everybody's out here, you know, touching SEBA, even unbeknownst to them, why Hands United? Why should someone want capacity building from Hands United? And we can pause for a moment because y'all may need to think. You never really thought about it, but you know. Um. So, what makes what makes Hands United stand out? I think is our approach to capacity building. Um, when we first get a request, of course, we go through the whole process of triaging it. But what we also do that's that that it may not be unique for us, may not be unique to Hands United itself, but the way we approach it is our initial call and really taking the time to figure out where the organization is in their processes before we begin to provide them with capacity building. I think that's an important thing to do instead of just going in and just, you know, providing people with a bunch of information that they can, you know, take whatever they will out of it and, and implement it in however they may. We we really want to know where they are and where we can help them go to improve um, the services they provide or the prevention they provide. Another thing is Hands United really focuses on cultural responsiveness. Uh, we really focus on making sure that all of those marginalized communities are addressed, even so far as with our language justice program. We want to make sure that everyone is reached, even people who speak a different language, even with our accessibility focuses that we're on now lately, really trying to make sure that things are accessible for all and not just focusing on English speakers or people that, you know, you know, whatever a person, uh, whatever issue or whatever, um, barriers a person may have to obtaining information we really work hard to try to ease those barriers and make sure everyone can receive the information we're providing and and use it for the best of their organization and what is important to highlight is that our team is composed of folks who belong to the communities that we're trying to uh, reach and and really the the providers that reach out to us and ask for our services can rest assured that uh, the folks who are providing this information also know what it is to be the priority population, also known as the target population, right? So because of that wealth of uh, community knowledge, street knowledge, whatever you might wanna call it, our group, our team is able to provide very realistic 
technical assistance to set folks who are providing HIV testing and prevention services for for success. And so making sure that um, first we acknowledge that we have a wealth of experience within our team and also um, a wealth of uh, cultural responsiveness and awareness within our team is going to be key. The other thing is that uh, we also recognize that just because um, someone in the community doesn't speak the language or is of trans experience or um, is something away, is is identifying um, as something different than the white male cis uh, hetero. When folks uh, identify as um, something other than the uh, predominant group of that um, environment, it doesn't mean that they don't have the rights to access of healthcare. It doesn't mean that uh, we wouldn't have the uh, the right to healthcare and uh, rights and information and education. And that, um, because we live in our in the bodies and we show up in the way that we do in the world, we understand that, and we will assist those who may not come from our communities but are providing uh, information and, and services to our community members to understand and, and see things differently or at least we hope that they do those are some great points um and you guys really make hands united stand out uh, in that sense and i really want to add a little bit to it um i appreciate shayla talking about the importance of cultural responsiveness and carla talking about um the makeup of our team and i kind of want to combine the two um, because of our ability to be culturally responsive in the work that we do and because of how diverse our team is, I think we're able to show up and deliver technical assistance or offer capacity building as our authentic selves. And what I mean by that is we have individuals on our team who have various backgrounds from various health departments who have interest in maternity health, who have interest in epidemiology, who have interest in health education, who've been in the community, who are currently in school, people who are have been a part of the priority population for a very long time so that when we come to the table, so that when we have these initial calls and when, and when we deliver this technical assistance, there's an essence of who we are outside of the work that shows up in the work that makes people connect to us that makes people know that i'm not just teaching you how to reach this target population i'm a part of it my friends are a part of it so i know that in the past when people have tried to reach them in this manner it didn't work so i'm letting you know in terms of reaching my people this is a a a a, an approach that's more authentic an approach that's more um empathetic um and things of that nature so i really appreciate you guys touching on that um with with that um i think we this was a very as i would say robust conversation about capacity building um it the importance of it what hands united does in terms of delivering capacity building i want to thank everybody who joined us here today um and who showed up as themselves offering your individual experience um and for those who are listening continue to come back Continue to dial in because we're going to continue to talk about things that are important to us here at Let's Talk About Sex, y'all, the Hands United podcast. Thank you. I wanna talk about-